as to what we're going to do, okay? So I'm going to give you a scripture to, to look up and to get ready in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, okay? Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, because I want those words up there in just a moment. Uh, <clears throat> while they're getting ready to do that, guys, can you put up the, the title page for what we were going to do today? Um, so, so obviously, because I'm changing the message and I didn't have uh, a secondary uh, thought to this until earlier, sometimes this happens. God just really puts a burden on my heart for what needs to be said. And sometimes what I, what I think I'm, I need to say today is just not the right timing. But last week, we dealt with the, 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 the title, A Church That Is Alive. We, we've been in a series, All In for 2018, and what, what it means to be all in serving God, what it means to be all in here, those of us who are committed to, to this church. What does it mean if you're, you know, if you're visiting our church and you're, you know, maybe this isn't your, your church, maybe whatever. What does it mean to you to be all in in Christ? And so we've been dealing with that. And last week we, we said that a, a church that is alive, and we, we gave these five things, okay? Can you put up the next one, guys? And uh, just to show you where we were at for last week. I'm, I'm, I'm having to multitask here. There we go. I said a church that al- we said a church that is alive last week has a vibrant faith, knows its purpose, has strong families, prays together, worships together. Okay, and so I've got a part two to that. I got five more points, but that's not what we need to talk about today. We'll get to that next Sunday. Okay, so uh, so beyond. The passage of Scripture, I don't have a, uh, a PowerPoint presentation for you today, so, so I want you to just focus in with me. But this is something God just laid on my heart. I've been wanting to prepare a message out of this passage, and God has not given me any time to do it, so I'm just going just gonna to go with what He's given me off the cuff here. So Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Let's stand together as we read. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 1. Guys, have I given you all enough time to get that ready? Okay, there we go, there we go, they're getting close. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And let's just, let's just state it like this, where it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. All of us. Without Christ, that's who we were. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one could boast. For we are God's handiwork, or as some versions say, we are God's workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, without any preparation time, I'm going to try to explain this to you, okay? So, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. And more importantly, well, equally as important, I should say, I know that the message you want to give us today is even beyond what I fully comprehend today. So I'm going to trust you to guide me and to lead me and to speak truth to our hearts. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. You know, when you go to Bible college and seminary, most places don't prepare you for this kind of thing. You know, I wish they'd have a class on what do you do when about two minutes before you're supposed to preach, God says, you need, to, you need to go to, he gives you a passage of scripture, and this is what you need to talk from and speak about today. And I'm like, okay, what's the theme? What, what are we to say? What, what, where are we to go? And I kind of have something in my heart about that that I think God's put in my heart. Um, and it's this. I think a lot of times we look at life through a religious lens as opposed through a lens of a relationship with God. We are conditioned to believe that we are to do certain things to earn God's favor and love. That if we will behave and do good things, God will love us, then God will accept us, and then we can go to heaven. Right? Unfortunately, even at the, at the great efforts of pastors and teachers within evangelical churches like ours, within Baptist churches and churches and not Baptist churches, churches who preach and teach the Bible, we go to great lengths over, over periods of time to teach that that's not the case. We teach that, that salvation is all of God and that He saves us not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but He saves us and changes us because of what Christ has done. And then because we are saved, we want to do good works. In other words, the old saying is this, I'm not saved by my works, but unto good works. In other words, the natural result, the spiritual result of being transformed by the power of God is that you will begin to behave like God wants you to behave. You'll start to live like He wants you to live. Okay? So that's the difference between religion and a relationship with Christ. Religion says, you must do this, and if, enough, if there's enough good, then we're going to take that good and we're going to put it on a scale. You know, a scale here. And, and, and then we're going to take your bad and we're going to put it on a scale. And if your good outweighs your bad, then you're good enough to go to heaven. Now that is totally contrary to Scripture because the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. The Bible also sa says that if we, through keeping the law, through doing good things, through good works, through keeping religious law, can get to heaven, and if we can have a relationship with God that way, then Jesus died in vain. He died for nothing. And God is a st sadistic God who would send His Son into the world to die for us, and for us not, have to, not to have to go through Him would be a God who's... Confused and messed up, right? But we know he's not. And so Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So what I want to do today is to help you and I see where we were before Christ and how we come to Christ 
and where we are after Christ. So before Christ, it says here, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Listen, there is a time in every person's life, as children, we come into this world and we have innate, inherent, um, um, intrinsic sin in our blood. You know why? Because our great 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 as many greats as you want grandfather his name was Adam the first Adam and he sinned and he rebelled against God and his blood is passed down through the bloodline of the father and so when we are born as babies we come into this world with sin in our blood perfect example is that you don't have to teach a child how to do bad. You have to teach them how to do good. Because bad comes naturally to them, right? Right? It comes naturally to us as humans. I mean, listen. I mean, I can, I, just even today, I'm a Christian and I can, I can go outside and, man, I can find a lot of bad to do if I want to. And it, it, it's easy to do. It's easy to do. It's because it's in our blood. It's in our nature. It's who we are. And the Bible says that there was a second Adam. His name is Jesus who came. He lived a perfect life and a sinless life. And He was our sacrifice for us. And so, every human comes into this world with that in their heart and mind. But if, a, if something happens to a baby, a baby dies, a baby's going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ because that baby doesn't know yet what it means to sin. But at some point in time, we, it's usually in childhood, six, seven, eight, nine years old, somewhere around there, we rebel against God. We may not know it specifically, but we, we do it. I, I heard of a case just recently just recently, and it's somebody comes to our church. And they're not here today, nor is their family, and, 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 but, but I can say this. I've been, I, I have permission to say this, okay? And it's this. Their sweet little child, I think is about six years old, said to their family, said to a mama and a daddy and a sibling not long ago, I hope you all die in a car wreck. That's what that kid said. <laughs> I'm not laughing at it. I'm just saying, that's what that kid said. And I thought for a moment, I wonder if now that kid knows what sin is. Because I'll be honest with you, when I was a kid and I got to that place and point, you know, I, I think I know when it happened for me. It's when I broke a shelf in our closet. We had, you know, back in the day, we had wooden shelves. And I stepped on I was trying to get my Batman car in Batman Cave. And I broke it, cracked it in half. And Mom came in and asked, who, who broke the shelf? And I looked at her and I said, it wasn't me, it was him. And I blamed my little brother who was four years younger than me. And he looked up at me, looked up at me and said, you're a liar. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not. You broke that shelf. And Mama said, okay, I'll tell you what, boys. You're going to be in that corner on your knees. You're going to be in that corner on your knees until one of you tells me the truth. And he starts crying, but Mama, he did it. He's a big, fat liar. That's what he kept saying, a big, fat liar, even though I weighed about 60 pounds. But he just kept calling me that. And I remember on the inside of me that I knew I was wrong, but I just wanted him to suffer a little bit. And, and you say, Man, you're a messed up person. I'm just as messed up as you. Amen. 
I believe that's the day when I knew sin, the way it felt within me. And then when I finally couldn't take being on my knees anymore and my brother screaming in my ear and yelling and crying and all of that, I finally confessed. But it's almost like I enjoyed his misery for a little bit. Some of you are looking at me and saying, no, that's not sin. You're just a sociopath, okay? <laughs> no, but that's how I was. And, and then I can remember one time I hurt my mom and my mom was crying about something because I had emotionally hurt her. And deep inside of me, I kind of like didn't feel bad for her. That's when I knew something had changed in me. You know, looking back on that now, I know. I know what it was. My selfishness had matured. And I became a sinner. Separated from God. And I died spiritually that day. I died. That's what happens to us without Christ. We're, we're not just... Good people who, you know, who just need a little bit of religion. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And the decay is different from some people. You know, the difference between a businessman that looks like he's got it all together and somebody that's, that's you know, a drug addict and, and strung out and, and, and is just, you know, the difference is just, is just the level of decay on the outside. But on the inside, dead is dead. You're just as dead as anybody else without Christ. And so the Bible says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Listen, I tell this to young people all the time. Teenagers, it goes for boys and girls. Look, look your, first, your first thing you ought to look for in a, in, in, in a boyfriend or girlfriend, and you, first of all, you shouldn't even look for one right now, okay? You should wait, particularly if your daughter's till you're 35 and dad says okay. All right, no, I'm just kidding. But anyhow... Uh, First thing I'll look for is, is he or she a Christian? Because here's what you're doing. If not, if you're looking at, oh man, look at him. He's a hunk. Or look at her. If you're looking at all of that and you're not looking at the inside to see if the inside is alive and has been made alive through the power of Jesus Christ. If not, listen, you're kissing a corpse. You're kissing a spiritual Dead man or dead young woman. That's what you're doing. Let me ask you something. You, you, ever, you ever kissed a dead body? I have. I have. It's the natural response a lot of times. You lose a loved one. You lose a spouse. You lose a child. You lose a, a, a mom or a dad. It, 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 it's probably going to happen at some point in time. Some people do. Some people don't. And, 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 and what happens? You're... That, that person is not alive. That person can't respond back to you. That person's body is cold. Amen. See, in a person who's not saved, who's never received Christ, they might, they might do good things in this life. And they, they, they might be a decent person on the outside, but on the inside they're dead. And that's how we all are. Without Christ. And then it says, because we're dead, it says, in which you used to live... When you followed the ways of this world, you used to live a certain way, and the ruler of the kingdom of the, of, of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Man, you're following the prince of the power of the air, the king of darkness, Satan. He's the one who rules the world that we see. 
And then verse says, it says, all of us, you know, who were dead in our trespasses and sins, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Before I was saved, it was all about me. It was all about what I wanted to do. The cravings and the desires of the flesh and, and about me, myself, and I. Get all I can, can all I get. It's all about what I want. It's about me, 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 me. Me, myself, and I. And that's how a lost person sees the world. Oh, that person might say, oh, well, no, it's not just about me. i got a family. But, but, but it's about me and my family. Life is all about what you and I want it to be when we're dead. And by nature, we were deserving of wrath. Now, here's what I love. You know, some of the, some of the greatest words in the English language, especially in the Bible, are conjunctions. Remember your grammar a little bit? Conjunctions. The word but. Oh, I love it. Okay, so we lay out this dialogue. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, deserving of wrath. But, because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. And it is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ. And then in verse 8 it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But God. See, there it is. But God. In the middle of human history, here comes Jesus. Let me ask you all a question. How many of you used to watch or used to like Duck Dynasty. You know, the Robertson Bunch. The Beards. We're not talking about turkeys. Well, they might be turkeys, but you know what I'm saying. You know, those of us who, who hunt turkeys, you know, we, we, we call, we call a, a, you know, a male, we call a gobbler a beard. You know, got the long beard. Well, that's what I call, that's what I call the Duck Dynasty Bunch. The Beards. Well, as you know, they don't have Duck Dynasty anymore, but they have something on CRTV, which you can get a subscription to. And, uh, and you can watch it, and I, and I have a subscription to it, and it's called In the Woods with Phil. In the Woods with Phil. It's usually about 10-minute little episodes. I think there are like 45 of them now. I've watched every one of them, and I've watched several of them two or three times. And he, sometimes he'll, he'll be in the woods hunting. Sometimes he'll explain to you what he's doing. Sometimes he'll be at his table with his Bible. Sometimes he'll be in his office. His office is his recliner. And then he goes through all of his stuff there right next, you know. And, and sometimes he'll be in the kitchen. He'll show you how to cook duck etouffee and all kinds of stuff. So, in the woods with Phil. One of the things that Phil loves to say. He said, you know, this guy, this man Jesus, he must be pretty special because, because the whole human calendar is based on him. B.C. before Christ. A.D., uh, Anno Dominion, I believe, Dominio, something like that. I wasn't prepared, so I, so I, I, can't, I can't always remember what all this stuff means. But, but it's based on after the life of Christ. The calendar of, in human history is based on Jesus Christ. He must have been something pretty special, right? 
See, in the middle of the course of human history, God sent forth His Son. And He brought Him onto this earth at the right time. The Bible says when the fullness of the time had come, during the reign of the Roman Empire, when there were roads that were developed so the gospel could spread. Jesus came at the right moment in human history, at the right time. And in the midst of that, God invaded the world's or the world of humans. And He became a man. And He became one of us. And the Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy can make us alive. See, it doesn't matter what your life is all about, what it has been about, what you've done. If you're still breathing air, which right now everybody is that I can see. You're still breathing. Some of you are sleeping. I get it. But, but some of you are breathing air. You're still breathing. There's still room for that phrase, but God, who is rich in mercy. It doesn't matter what you've done with your life. You have an opportunity today to allow God to do something in your heart and life. Especially if you've never received Christ as your Savior. You can do that. Today, all you have to do, you say, what do I have to do? What is it going to cost me? Well, what, what do I need to do? Aren't there some classes I have to take? Let, let, me, let me just tell you something. There's no classes you have to take. Here's all you have to do is right where you are is receive Christ as your Savior. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, to as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. And if you'll receive Christ today and just right where you're sitting, you don't have to say any special words. God hears your heart. You call out to Him and say, God, I, I believe in You. I'm, I'm willing to give my life to You right now. That's where your but God moment happens. Right here. Right now. And He changes you. He invades your world. He invades your life. You know, you got this woman over here constantly saying amen, okay? She's constantly saying amen. Love her to death. And, and here's a woman that had a life before Christ, just like we all do. But there was a but God moment in her life where God intervened and changed her life. And now she has her B.C. life before Christ. And now she has her A.D. life. <laughs> or or her, um, her, I don't know how we can call it. We've got to come up with, a, with, a, with something for that. But after Christ has changed her heart and life. Because there was a moment in time where she surrendered her life to Him. And she became a true Christian. She became a saint. Not because she's a good person, but because Jesus is awesome and powerful. And He changed her. The same has happened to many, 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 many people in this building and all over this world and all over this, this nation, people who has, whose lives have been changed by the power of the gospel. And it says that God has raised us up. And so, here's what I want to close with. For it is by faith or by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. This is a gift of God. What is grace? The word grace, you know. Some, some people say, well, I know, I, know, I know who grace is. She's a girl that, that's in my, my class at, at school. What is grace? Grace is God's unearned favor. Hear me out. Unearned. You can't earn it. You can't do a bunch of religious things to get God to love you. He already loves you. Grace is something God gives you that you haven't earned. You don't deserve it. It's, it's a gift that He gives you. And it's free. For you 
because of what Christ has done. You say, so how do I receive God's grace? Well, there it is. It's called faith. For by grace you are saved. It's it's what God does in us. It's God giving us what we don't deserve. Or giving us what we... Yeah, it's God giving us what we do not deserve. That's grace. You know the difference between grace and mercy? Grace is what God gives us. God gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. See the difference? Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Separation from Him in a place called hell, the Bible says. But because God is so great in His mercy, He's rich in mercy, it says here in verse 4. So He doesn't give us what we do deserve, so thereby He gives us what we don't deserve, and He gives us grace. You say, so, okay, so how do I become a Christian? You receive it by faith. I gave this illustration. I give it quite a bit. What is faith? Faith is trust. It's a simple thing. If I can demonstrate it like this. What is trust? Trust is putting all your weight upon. Okay? I'm not trusting this bench to hold my weight up because if you take it away from me, I'm still standing. See what I'm saying? I'm, I'm leaning on this bench a little bit, but I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm on my feet. I'm ready. Take the bench away. Boy, that would have been funny if I would have fell down. But uh, I, I almost did for a second. I had a little too much weight on the bench. But, so it blew the illustration out. But here's the illustration. Okay? I don't have all my weight on this bench. I'm not trusting this bench to hold me up. Or this stool, or whatever you want to call it. Still not quite trusting it. You know, a lot of times we sit on these things like this. One foot on, the other foot off. That's what I call religion. People, you know, think they owe God something, so they go to church, they do a few things here and there. They're still not trusting in Him. But saving faith is when we do this. And we cast all our care upon Him. We say, my eternity is in you and on you. Now, you pull this chair out from me, which we will not demonstrate. But you pull this chair out from under me, and I'm, I'm toast. I'm gone. I'm on the ground. I'm on the floor. The point is, is that now I'm trusting this chair to hold my weight up. That's biblical faith. Biblical faith says, I trust you, God. I'm giving my life to you. I'm giving my future to you. I'm giving my eternity to you. And I need you in my heart and in my life. That's what saving faith is. And prior to me giving my heart to Christ, it was a lot about this and a lot about this. I was the king of my life calling all the shots. Another way to look at it is this. When you give your heart to Christ, it's about dethroning who's in charge. There's a drawing. I need need to get that and show it to you, but there's a drawing. There's a stick man, okay? The only problem is he's a middle-aged stick man, okay? He's got a belly. So he's a stick man, and he's got this round belly. So you can see inside of him. And there's a, there's a chair, and it's a throne. 
It's this big throne of a chair that a king would sit on. And lo and behold, when you look, you see this chair, this throne, okay? Really nice chair, big old back. And when you look at that man, you see the stick man sitting on the chair, and you see the cross right here. It's a picture of the cross. The cross bowing down to the stick man. What it is, it's the stick man who's sitting on the throne of his life saying, I'm in charge of this life. Then there's another picture. And it shows the cross sitting on the throne. And it shows a stick man bowing the knees to the Savior on the cross. And it says, Jesus is now in control of this life. Okay? So that's the difference. A person who's a Christian has vacated the throne of his or her life. And Jesus sits on that throne now. Jesus sits on that throne. You see, guys, when I was 18 years old, I gave my life to Christ. Actually, I was 17. February 12, 1984. I turned 18 a few days later. A year and a few months later, when I was 19, no, no, 17, yeah, yeah, when I was 19, God called me into the ministry. I felt this tugging on my heart to say, this is what I want you to do with the rest of your life. I answered that call. Didn't know where it would take me and where I would end up and how it would all work out. There are times, there are times that I don't want to do this anymore. Okay? There are times I don't want to do this anymore. And when I get to that point in my life, I realize that the stick man named Corey is trying to climb on the throne again and take charge. And I have to remember who is sitting on the throne. And who is the Lord of my life. And I'm not here to live my life for me. I'm here to live it for Him. We all as Christians should be doing that. See, because the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that we just read here, not of your works, not of works lest any man should boast. You see, if you can... Be made right with God by doing a bunch of works, doing a bunch of good things that are good. There's always somebody else that can do more than you. There's always somebody else who can boast of greater things than what you're capable of doing. So that's not how you get get saved. You get saved by faith. Now, once you are saved, now the works follow as a natural response as a as a natural um, well it's a natural response to what's happened in your heart now your life has changed and now you want to produce good work see it's like this <clears throat> a dead tree cannot produce any any anything living if it's dead it's dead But if you're a fruit tree and you're alive, you're going to produce fruit. An apple tree doesn't say, oh 
my gosh, I want to be an orange tree, and, I want, and so I've got to struggle to produce these apples. No, an apple tree just does what comes natural to it. It just produces that fruit. And the Bible says for us who are Christians that we're even better than, than those kind of fruit trees because our fruit will remain I saw a commercial the other day. I don't know why I'm thinking about this. This would be one, David, that actually would say, I don't know what he's talking about. But uh, there's, there's this, this uh, I guess this, I don't know what it's called. It's, a, it's some kind of spiked up cider. It's called Angry Orchard. Is that like, like liquored up stuff? Yeah, okay. All right. It's like one time I, I found in the bushes at, at, at my house Mike's Hard Lemonade. Didn't know what it was. I was like, that's awesome i was gonna take it home and penny said i don't think you want to drink that and i'm like why not it's lemonade man it's it it must be like more 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 lemon and less water you know it's like mike's hard lemonade she goes no it ain't that kind of lemonade i went oh so busted it up and threw it threw it in there but angry orchard i saw this commercial and it said about angry orchard it said it said that that the best um Apples, um, the hardest cider comes from the ugliest apples. In other words, the apples are, are, are rotting. They're beginning to rot. And that's how they make, I guess, the hard liquor. I wouldn't know because I don't drink. And I advise you not to go there. That's a whole different sermon. However, you say, how does that apply? Well, that, see, apples like that, I just thought about it. Apples like that die, you know, and they rot. So, an apple tree just produces temporary fruit, and it, it has seasons, and it comes. But you and me as Christians, we produce fruit that remains. It doesn't rot and die. And doesn't turn into liquor that tur- makes somebody's life miserable. Fruit that remains. For you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's desire for you and me is to do something with our Christianity, to do something with it, to to do works of righteousness, to honor God with our gifts. That's one of the points we're going to talk about today in my next message, which we'll do next Sunday, Lord willing. And, uh, you know, we we all have a gift. We got to use that gift. We have to do something with what God's given us. Now that I'm a Christian, I'm just not here so I can just say, oh, I'm a Christian. I just want to study the Bible all day and just study nice things. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's nice. Oh, just wonderful intellectual stuff. It's just great. Oh, yes, all about this, all about the second coming, all about... Um, you know, uh, 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 about, um, about not just the end times, but about salvation, all about these doctrines. So people get into different kind of doctrines. That's all they want to study. We're not just here twiddling our thumbs and just having a bunch of Bible studies so we can hear ourselves talk. We're having Bible studies so we can, we can grow and edify and develop and build up Christians so that we can work and serve Him and do works of righteousness which God prepared beforehand for us to do. That's what we're to be about. So once we become Christians, now it's time to get busy. It's time to do something. I've heard people say, well, you know, I think I'm going to wear out. You know, I'd rather, I'm going to wear out. I'd rather wear out than rust out. Nah, most, m- most people don't have anything to worry about. You ain't never going to wear out for Christ because you don't do enough. 
I'm not trying to be ugly, but it's true. No, you're rusting pretty good. That's why we can't get you to move. You're just an old rusty nut that's locked on to something, and you can't do anything for God because you can't move. You're just locked up. Pretty good illustration, do you? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. So, I don't know. I got, you know, God's laid this message on me. Here's what I was supposed to do, and I don't know how to end it, okay? So, stand with me, would you? <laughs> An old saying said, say what you got to say, say it, and then sit down. <laughs> I'm not going to sit down. We're going to go to the next part. <laughs> 